Welcome to the Tea Hut Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Leland Steele. That was unnecessary. Unnecessary introduction. You know what? <laughs> Last time you you frigging pack of windpipes, you gave the longest introduction that ever existed. Don't you sip that energy drink, dear sir. You do not sip that energy drink at me. I... I, I will duel you, dear I raise, sir. I raise my <laughs> pinky to you, sir. I raise my <laughs> pinky. <laughs> How dare you? You're not the only one who has lungs, non-COVID-y lungs. I can do a long <laughs> intro as well. Yeah, non-COVID. Thank, <laughs> thank goodness, non-COVID. It was, uh, I was sick for like a week. I know. I know. I was afraid. Like, listener, I actually stayed home from work um, one day for sure petrified that uh that leland and, and his girlfriend had uh, covid and um, luckily the test came back negative thank god um but a little bit of fear yeah i missed like three days of work you know i had, I, had, I missed well I, at least one of them i probably could have went in but i you know i was waiting for my test results so you know i'm not gonna go into work or whatever but uh yeah just a regular old super flu i don't know it really sucked it made emma and, us, and i and i both pretty sick and i'm pretty sure i made her sick uh just because i had symptoms about a day before she did uh so no. yeah don't know where i caught it but i guess it's that season yeah it reminded me when you had mono and you gave marty mono by kissing him i mean i always used to tell <laughs> you, you can kiss marty less but you had to kiss you're like no movie i have to kiss marty like okay well it's a compulsion. Especially when we learned that we both had mono. At that point, there was no reason to stop kissing. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what we were we were holding back for. It's like two people in love at a leper calling. You know? <laughs> just, just go for it. You just got to let them go. You, I mean, they only, <laughs> have, just, they only have so long just, in this just world. Gotta, you got to go. You just got to let... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta let nature take its course, I guess. <laughs> well, good to good to have you back, buddy. Um, another month with no guests. We have some guests. We're we're kind of warming up on the back burner there, but um, we basically came down with a couple topics that were really just kind of insular to to uh, us. Plus, Sansing and Ghost Marty in. Uh, we're not gonna go. We're, we're not gonna seance him into the episode, but uh, uh, basically, I felt like it was a a good. Good, good to have a second episode in the row, just just you and me to talk about the topics today. But it should be a good show. Yeah, 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 for sure. Let's dive into the banter segment. And do you have anything to throw at us? Yeah. Uh, so while uh, Emma and I were out sick, we binged all of Squid Game in a single day. Wow. Of course, it, it is uh, the current hot television hotness. <laughs> it's hard, you're hard pressed <laughs> to not hear people ranting and raving about it right i'm not entirely sure where the highest of praise originates from i found it very entertaining a lot of it was incredibly predictable but so is most tv these days there were a couple a couple interesting twists that that were enjoyable for sure but nothing like revelatory as far as the plot goes i mean the plot's pretty well out there and the little bits that are hidden are like i said quite predictable and, and guessable but it was ki- it was something kind of different, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's one of those shows, and these shows come up sometimes where it's like you really just hear about it from everywhere. Like I don't know whether to call it a water cooler show or or whatnot, but um, I mean, it's basically that. You know, I get into work and we have cubicles, and it's like you know, have you watch Squid Game? Have you heard of Squid Game? Oh, Squiddy Squid Game. It's like no, I haven't had a chance yet. It, I don't know. Sounds kind of cool, but uh, 
Yeah, it's one of those shows everybody seems to start watching and watching at once. Yeah. Which um, is interesting. I, I, I mean, I, I like that that kind of thing hasn't, like, died off, you know, with uh, <laughs> with cable kind of having already had its heyday and whether or not it's going to have its own resurgence or... I mean, we've discussed so many times where it's like it's coming back in a different form with all the streaming services. I mean, another one that I, I haven't seen is Ted Lasso. Everybody fucking loves Ted Lasso. Goes nuts for Ted Lasso. I have no idea what this show is about. It's on Apple TV for no. Christ's sake, or whatever Apple's version of it of, of it is. I'll never like I'll never watch it because I'll never get that service. I'll just I'll this is just a show I've come to terms with. I will never see. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. As much as I like Jason Sudeikis, I don't know. I'll never watch it. I, kn- I know you're fine with not watching shows other people tell you to watch. <laughs> Believe me, if there's one consistency for the Leland Steele, I have become friends with it's that <laughs> over the many years. So I completely understand why you would decline. You know, myself or Squid Game... Yeah, I mean, sure, I'd, I'd watch it, especially if someone really wanted to watch it with me, you know, be it a friend or the girlfriend or something like that. You know, I'd be fine, um, you know, giving it a shot. But other than that, I'm probably not going to throw it on myself alone. I've got a lot of other stuff on the back burner. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting that it's somehow become one of those shows that, that, you know, everybody watches. I tend to wonder, like, do people just log into Netflix and Netflix is like number one trending show in Azerbaijan and people are like, oh, I'll click that and watch it because it says that on the front page. Yeah. And so do people literally just log in not knowing what they want to watch and they just pick whatever's trending? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, that list is pretty handy because I'm definitely not going to sit here and say that I've never logged into a streaming service having no clue what I wanted to watch at the second I logged in and browsed for something, right? Like, that's why Disney Plus sucks is because there's nothing on there that I want to watch, really. (laughs) Like, I know what I want to watch on there. It's not, it's not, I don't go go there like Netflix to look and browse and find something to, to watch in the moment, but I don't know. The, th- the thing is, though, like, you and I, normally when I'm in the mood to just watch something, I go to YouTube. I don't go to, I don't go to Netflix anymore, right? Like, Right, right. Yeah, no, I hear you. Okay, well, I mean, I, you know, without me having seen it, I don't, I don't know how much else we, uh, we have to discuss on that. But one thing I do want to discuss, which is um, new, new as in, like, today, and I showed you today. It's actually on an official Netflix channel I looked up. It's called Netflix is a Joke. It's it's Netflix's joke channel. And they took a, an AI and they ran 400,000 hours of horror movies past it. And they made it make a movie called Mr. Puzzles Wants to Be Less Alive. And and I showed it to you and we both laughed our asses really off. We thought it was like funny. the funniest fucking That's thing. That's so funny. I it's so random, but what's hilarious is that we'll we'll, we'll put the the uh, link in YouTube in in the show notes. We'll do that, but it's just you can tell where the bot gets all its themes from. Like that's part of the humor is that you can tell what it watched. You know whether it's from Saw or whatever. It's like oh no, my coworker is going to die, and the coworker is like 
God will be your coworker now. <laughs> it's just there's line after line that the CI makes. Yeah, that like uh, hilarious. I know. But I mean, honestly, though, what struck me about it is it's not random because you can you no. know exactly why it is saying the nonsense that it's stringing together in this loose cohesion of a plot for the four and a half minute video, <laughs> right? Like it's not actually random. It's, it's bizarre. It's literally a melting pot of 400,000 hours of horror movies because it's all the same. It's a melting pot of the genre. What, what the AI is essentially doing is it's creating like one of the best summaries ever. Like a summary that a human wouldn't have the patience to make, which is it's throwing all these tropes at you. And you're like, yeah, I've seen this. I know this. Yeah, I've seen this before, Um, you know, which is so hilarious. Like even at the end where it's like (laughs) woman screams for sequels and she's like screaming (laughs) within a scream for sequels. It's like, I know where that comes from. (laughs) It's. It's really, it, it's really it's really fucking funny. It's very it's very funny. <laughs> I I howled listener. So yeah, it's a short watch, which is important to me with my short attention span. Yeah, I think it's only a little like four minutes, three seconds. But we'll link it in the show notes and um I, I thought it's well worth your time. If you need a laugh, it's it's hilarious if you're at all into pop culture. So uh that was my first banter. Do you do you happen to have a second? Uh sure. Okay. So Another thing that Emma and I watched was we watched Black Widow. It released out of premier access on Disney Plus on, I think it was October 8th or 7th or 6th, whatever day. It was like her last night here. We watched uh, Black Widow before she flew back home. And it was, it was fine. It was fine. It's, it's still like, man, they could have done so much more with her character. I mean, they could have. They could have done, if they really wanted to, uh, like a, a movie or two or three in the vein of like 007, like James Bond, this like spy thriller with Black Widow, right? Uh, they easily could have done so many different things with it. But of course, you know, her character's dead and they can only do so much. They can only do uh, enough up to a point. So so they... I, I going into it, I, I didn't know anything about the plot. I had no idea when it was actually set, what time frame it was actually set. So it's actually set after the events of Civil War, where Black Widow is on the run because she didn't sign the Sokovia Accords. So this it's still the Black Widow character that we have seen grow in the MCU. It's not a different type of character, which was kind of my concern with it. Like, well... I mean, I don't know who doesn't like the character of Black Widow in the MCU because I think she's she's a fantastic character. We've said it mm-hmm. numerous times on this cast. She's like the, one of the the perfect supporting roles in the entirety of yep, the MCU. Absolutely. So, how do you not like this character? Now, I think it was smart of them not to 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 not give us a character that we don't know. Right? They still gave us the character. It was just it was clear like the you know the script was mediocre. Um, the acting's fine in it. Like the acting's great. Uh, but again, like it's dialogue that is maybe a little bit me- better than mediocre, but mediocre in most places. Uh, David Harbour's great in it though. Like he honestly steals the show. He's really, he's fantastic. Wow. Uh, Rachel Weiss is, is pretty good in it too. Uh, we get to see both of them kind of de-age for a segment in the beginning of the movie. And, uh, Rachel was de-aged where I was like, wait a second, is that? Is that is that like I barely recognized her uh, from the de aging? I don't know. It was kind of strange. 
And Harbor, like, they made look like five years younger, I swear. Like, they gave him a shave and he looked five years younger. <laughs> like, he... <laughs> um, I don't know. I would recommend, I would watch it if you have nothing else to do and you just want a nice popcorn filler movie. Like, that's really all it amounts to. It's, it's interesting because you're talking about her as, like, one of the best supporting characters to the Avengers, which I agree with. But you're also making this film sound like one of the most good supporting movies it's like you don't have to see it for the core story but it's fun <laughs> yeah she's there yeah. she's fun to watch she's there yeah. well it's 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 interesting because she made such a big stink which i i actually am on her side for about um not getting a theatrical release for this movie yeah and you know putting it on hbo plus because it was going to rob her of potentially tens of millions of dollars and disney basically went after her and said oh you have no heart because of the pandemic well, you know what, Disney, with like, what, the $1.5 trillion the Disney company gets in? Yeah, I know she's a millionaire, but believe me, I think she hurts a little bit more than you do. So don't act like you're poor old Disney. Poor old Disney's going to go from $1.5 trillion to like $1.2, you know? It, you're still getting your share, Disney. So I thought that was very petty, their attack on her. Because they never said she was wrong. They basically said she was greedy for wanting her contract to be fulfilled right i just thought that was wrong yeah um and it's unfortunate maybe i mean i don't think that really tainted uh my view or my opinions watching the movie there's just you know there's there's a few things that are just brushed aside to explain and push the plot forward as the movie goes that you know a few things that are like oh that's ridiculously coincidental like there's one point where there's just suddenly there's a parachute there for Black Widow to scoop up as she's sprinting. <laughs> it's just it's just there. Wow. <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh it's funny. It's just, you know again, you have to just like who gives a fuck I'm watching this movie. I at least get to see Black Widow one last time, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No. No, that sounds cool. So, I guess uh listener, if you're kind of bored looking for something, you could do a lot worse than just throwing on Black Widow, yeah. especially if you've got Disney Plus. Definitely. And so, just to be clear, you're saying it's no longer Disney Plus Premium; it's just regular Disney. Yeah, Plus. Yeah, yeah, it's out. Know. Just have you just need the subscription for the base service, and you can watch it. Okay, that's cool. Um, the second one I've got is uh, this is no surprise, maybe coming from Obi, but um, the final Dune trailer's out. Really good looking trailer. Um, throw a little uh, little love out there. Eric Petey, uh, guest a few episodes before his wife worked on the show. They're both um, animation supervisors. His wife particularly worked on the dragon uh, kind of copters, and they're much more prevalent in this final trailer, and they look absolutely amazing. Like, they look photorealistic, whether they're parked or flying. And um, it it just uh, it solidifies um, how excited I am for this. I'll be seeing it, uh, I guess, a week this Thursday. Uh, I'm seeing it in the... Doing big, doing big, the, the VIP theater locally in uh, in Abbotsford, and I'm just going to, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be my first post-pandemic movie, so I'm very excited to see it. Cool. I have yet to watch uh, the trailer, and I, I guess I just don't care. <laughs> like, I'll, That's fair I'll see it for sure. Like, I want to see it, but, like, I don't care if I see it. Well, I mean, it's it's a thing like, you know, what what is Dune mean to you i mean for some people it's like the prototypical sci-fi or science fiction opera certainly star wars drew a ton out of it but you know if you don't really know dune you're not going to get what the f's going on based off the trailers 
And I think that's my worry is that, you know, the director, um, you know, Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve, great Canadian, my favorite director, but he, he takes on these properties that are not super well known and he makes like outstanding work of them, but it doesn't mean they make a lot of money. So my concern is that Dune doesn't make a lot of money and puts another nail in this guy's career because Blade Runner 2049, everybody's heard me fetish it on this show, but that movie did not sell many tickets. And um, by the way, what's interesting is I got a Facebook uh, notification on Friday that it had been like four years since we saw uh, Blade Runner 2049 no together. Oh my god. And goodness. then we podcasted about wow. it. It made me feel old. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Made me feel old. Because I remember doing that podcast. I even remember driving back from the theater thinking in my head what I wanted to bring up. And that's now four years ago. Yeah. So time flies, buddy. Whew. We need to we need to do that again with some movie. We need to watch it and immediately come and, and do a bonus episode of on it. Fresh thoughts. I'd I'd be down, baby. I'd be down. We just got to find what movie that's that's worth it for yeah, us. True. Whether it's another alien movie that comes out or something like that. There's there's not been a movie that that blows us to back of our seats. I can tell you one I would like to do is Thor four. When Ooh. that comes out, I'd love to go back yeah, yeah. to your place after record on that. I'd be down so. for that. Um, but yeah, that's my second of my final banter. Um, so. Hopefully we can put that in the show notes as well. I'll send you a link for the uh, the final Dune trailer. And um, yeah, if you can put that there. Plus Mr. Puzzles, Less Alive. We'll, we'll put that there too because um, that's definitely worth it. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. Do you have anything else or are we good to go to the first No, segment? let's move on to the long anticipated and almost forgot in our minds, but never in our hearts. Crazy no. about cardboard. <laughs> Titled <laughs> I Will yep. Reserve. We've spoken about Splendor a number of times on the show, but never in much detail. Uh, and it's been a while since we've done one of our board game reviews. A long time, actually. But, like, uh, so, as I alluded to before, Emma was out visiting uh, for nearly three weeks, which was incredibly nice. And other than getting sick, which technically actually gave us more time together because I missed three days of work, <laughs> we played uh, quite a number of games. And one of the first uh, first weeks she was here, we had you over, Moby, and we, we got to play some Splendor. I mean, long listener will know that you love this title. Right. It's one of my favorite board games that exists. Certainly my favorite engine building game that exists. Um, I love it to death, and I'm I'm happy we finally get to promote it on the show. And I told you I would do this, but uh, Leland actually surprised me at the end of that day saying that I actually got to take that box of Splendor home because he had a second box, and I was absolutely elated, so... Thank you very much now that I have my own copy, but it's an amazing game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. I really enjoy it. Uh, my pleasure, of course, to, to finally get you your own copy. Uh, yes, so yeah, I mean, we packed up. I handed over the, the very copy in which I proceeded to school you and Emma twice in a row. With. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, that was tough. I mean, second game, we... we it was slow for all of us to get our engines going. Um, and we kind of did at the same time. But um, unfortunately for Emma and I, you got your engine going 
first again and going very powerful. The first game, he just bulldozed us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a spade, a spade. But, uh, you know, with me saying that, uh, I was wondering if you could give listener kind of an overview of the game and how it works and what the objectives are. Absolutely. Thank you. The game, uh, like you say, it is an engine builder, and there is a tableau of uh, cards out. I believe it's three rows of four, so a total of 12 cards. And they're, they're three tiers. They're in, you know, tier one through three. And the tiers are just going to dictate uh, usually the extra cost to purchase those cards and build your own engine, which, you know, they kind of just laid them out in front of you. And each of these cards will depict a type of gemstone. I think there's five different types uh, color-coded. So, you know, if you you may pay uh, an emerald and a ruby to get a card that produces a diamond or whatever is depicted on that given card, some of the cards have point values on them. The higher you, the more you go up the tiers, those cards are going to have higher points on them, and the first 15 points wins. Uh, in addition to the cards, there's uh, it comes with some pretty nice like poker chips style that depicts the five gems, and you, you know on your turn you're either taking gems or you can buy a card if you can pay for it, and that's really incredibly simple. Those are the turns. Of course, the third option is you could reserve a card from the tableau of twelve add it to your hand, and then you get a gold chip, which serves as a wild. You can use it to pay, uh, substitute for any type of the five gems to pay for another card. Incredibly simple game. Very, very simple. It's maybe not so simple in what you need to to employ to, to be successful at it, I suppose. I think, though, that's the case with a lot of engine builders. I feel like there's always a tipping point that you need to recognize where you have to have confidence in the engine that you've built and that it's up and running for you to transition into purchasing the, 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 or, or, or developing whatever it is the game requires you to win the actual win condition. Right. Um, one of the things I really like about the game is that in no way do any of the players start with a handicap. So what I mean by that is the game allows you to, pick two colored tokens um, of one kind or three of one each. So, for example, you could pick like a white, black, and a green, or two green or two blue. Or you can reserve, get your your wild token, which is really useful, or purchase or whatever. But the game starts you all equal. It just depends turn order. So you really have no excuse to say, oh, it's the, the cards I was dealt made me lose or whatever. No, it's honestly you just built your engine wrong. I feel like there's a lot of capacity. There's a lot of agency in that game that if I lost, it's because I literally lost to you. I didn't do a good enough job in building my engine because we all start on the most equal playing field possible. And I, I, I just, I really appreciate that about the game. I also feel like the game is very easy to teach I think it takes maybe two or three minutes to at least teach people how to start playing it. And I love, I love like how powerful, for example, reserving actually is. To reserve a card alone, that, you know, that'd be a pretty good use of your turn. But the fact that you get like a wild gold token to go with it makes it really worth it for you to plan ahead on what you want to do. And, um, that's that's why like I made it a meme within our group of me going I will reserve <laughs> just because it is such a powerful action to do in the game and it it 
maybe no engine guilt building game that i played makes you feel like you're building a powerful engine stronger because like once you're there with like you know say three gems of each type cards building your engine and stuff like that you're pounding back like a big card every turn or two that you can buy you feel like you built a powerful engine in the game it's very visceral yeah 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 i mean and the reserving is also the the main player interaction as well because yes you're you do get the wild token which i agree with you is incredibly helpful but you're also potentially denying somebody a, a key gem type that they could potentially afford on their next turn and may need to attract one of the royals which uh, I didn't explain in the kind of brief overview, but the Royals, there's, I think there's a Royals equal to the number of players plus one that you put out and they're worth three points each. And they have a prerequisite that you have to meet for them to come visit your, your, I don't think it's your court, but it's like you're developing your, these minds, right? Of the gems is the very loose theme, whatever right. it is. Right. So that's how you get a, a bunch of points too. They may have, Three, you may, uh, they may want three production cards of three different types or two of four. I think those are really the only two combinations that they have. Uh, so you do need, actually need to pay attention to each other's board and, and see where everyone's engine is at if you are going to be competing for, for those royals or whatever the heck they are, are, are actually car called. I'm not sure they're actually royals, but whatever they are. They're just walking, breathing points. <laughs> the prerequisites to get more points is really what they pull down to. But, I mean, reserving, there was, uh, I think it was in the second game, you and Emma both were reserving quite a lot just really to deny me more than push yourselves ahead. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. And that's a powerful use of the reserve. Again, the fact that when we do that, it, it rewards us anyways with the gold token. And I mean, I was reserving things that I legitimately had a plan to pay for, because if not, I mean, you have limited amount of reserves. I think it's three. Yeah. Two or three. That's right. Three. So, so three. So it's like, if you're not going to pay for it, you're not planning for it, don't do it. But it was to deny you a much quicker victory than you otherwise would have had. Um, so it's, it's kind of a great little mechanic to kind of give the bird to someone else at your game who's who's dominating and kind of maybe get a chance to get you back into it yeah yeah uh there is a bit of a randomness that you are dealing with just because of um the it's a deck of cards each tier has so they are randomly coming out i always find it's funny because emma and i play this a lot um the digital version uh two player a lot and it always seems like every game digital or physical there's one of the five gems that everybody needs and there's a shortage of and just never comes out. Yeah. And then if you were like, okay, well, crap, I need diamonds. There's no diamonds. All right, I'll take this crap card. And then the next card fills in. It's a diamond for the next person. And of course, the two players, it's always for Emma. So she's always taking the fucking diamonds. <laughs> I even, I don't know what is it about this game. I, I, there's always something missing. <laughs> I, ag I agree with you. There is always a gem that is missing that is much harder to get than the others. And I've never played the digital version. I'm, I'm interested in doing so, and I want to ask you about that. But certainly in the paper version, it's the same way. It just somehow happens. And I think it might have been diamonds in our first game and blue in our second game. Not 100% sure, but I mean, regardless, there, there was a, there's always a shortage of, of a gem. 
Um, now, my question for you is, is regarding the digital game, is that on Steam or how do people get access to it if they're interested? It is on Steam, yeah. Uh, right now, there's a big uh, Steam sale on a bunch of digital board games. I don't know if it's on that list, but there's a, a whack load of digital sales going on right now. Uh, I hope they're still going on when this releases in about five days from our recording time. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, uh, it is on Steam. It's a, I mean, it's a fantastic implementation. It's a literal, it's the exact game, just digitalized. It's, it's, yeah. I don't know that I would. I don't want to say that I would prefer the digital version, but there's a lot less uh, upkeep, obviously, just manipulating the cards and filling in the gaps when cards get bought. But what's something that nice the digital version does is it highlights the border of cards that you can actually afford, right? So it gives you, a, just at a glance, you look at the table and you can see which ones you can buy just because of the highlight, right? It's so much easier than in person. Uh, I think there was even an instance where there were two cards that produced the same gem, but one had printed points. And uh, you kind of focus on the one that was, I mean, really it was the one that was closest to you. So that's probably why, uh, just us sitting at the table, right? You spent the same amount of gems and chips to get it, but you the other one gave you a point, whereas the first one you wanted to grab didn't. So online, you would you wouldn't, miss that right like you don't you don't you wouldn't miss that in the digital version which is it's honestly really nice and the uh the turns that are timed on the digital version i think you can turn that off i don't know we never have i've never found like you run out of time or are really rushed because again there there isn't much analysis paralysis in, in this game there's it's really comes down to what you can and can't afford if you can afford something and it's a gem you need take the card if you want some another card and are scared someone might take it reserve it if you are going to risk it, then take chips from the stock, right? Like, it's very simple. There's not much you do in this game. No, no. But, okay, the thing is, I, I want to tell a listener, like, as much as the game is simple, the mechanics of, of how to play the game, it doesn't come off as, like, simple as in dumb. Like, simple as in not enough strategy or not fun. It's not a children's game. It's just the mechanics to get started and to learn the game are very accessible and, and quick. Um, the strategies and what you need to do to win, I think, are a little bit more complicated and involve a little bit more thought. So I don't want to dumb down the game too much because I, I think it's a legitimately great game for many ages, like teenager plus. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it really, like, it's just, like I said before, it, it comes down to knowing when to shift into the cards with higher value points. Um, Right. But I mean, even sometimes though, those are a trap because some of those cards will, you want, you'll need like seven of, it's like seven green and like four blue and four white. Like they can be a trap to just chase right. for turn after turn after turn sometimes. So yeah, exactly. They'll make you really pay for them by, by burning up three turns. And if you burn up three turns in that game, that could be a lot when your opponents are, you know, buying lesser medium strength cards, but building up their engines much quicker. And you're going for the Hail Mary. Yep. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, you know, as much as this might seem like a shorter segment, it's basically to go rah-rah, go play Splendor. <laughs> I don't really have much to add on the game except to implore listener to give it a shot, whether it's digitally or in paper. You're welcome to play with me if you listen to this podcast. If you're a friend, I will gladly break out the Leland copies given me, play with you. Uh, but I, I just think the world of this game and... You know, final thoughts are honestly one of the best, most accessible card-based engine-building games you could find. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, if if the the theme of getting gemstone mines and don't doesn't uh, <laughs> float your boat, there is a Marvel version. Uh, uh, there's a Marvel Splendor. Of course, there's a Marvel version for everything in seems these days. So never okay. played it. I don't know what it looks like. Uh, I believe there are a couple changes. I think we I bantered about it when it was new or first released uh, a number of episodes ago. You could check. You could pick that up. I guess I don't know. I, I don't. I I I want to play it. I don't think it needs to be in my collection if I have the original. Uh, but I yeah. I, I mean, I want to try it. I want to see it. I want to see the art. I want to look at it. You know, maybe maybe it's good enough to replace the original in my collection. Oh, oof. big words, big words. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leland, I, I'd be interested. I mean, we got to score this. We got to rank it. Um, where would you score this? Where would you score Splendor? Okay, so like I said, it's been a while since we've done a board game review on our website, ttpopcast.com. We do have a uh, BG review rankings. We've chosen to to rank them. I don't like s- assigning numbers to my children. I will, right. I'll definitely rank them and compete them <laughs> against each other, but I would never give That's my fine. children yeah. a number out of 10. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to put it on my list. So as it stands, and these are just strictly the games that we've covered on the show, my list from top to bottom, Transatlantic, Downforce, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Kemet, and This War of Mine. For me, this is going to slot right under Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Gotcha. Which places it overall what number? That makes it number four. Um, If you could, I know where it's going to go, but if you could quickly read listener my ranking, just because you've got it in front of Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yours top to bottom. Twilight Imperium, fourth edition. Transatlantic. Kemet. Downforce. This war of mine. Right. And I would sandwich this one in second, just under Twilight Imperium 4. Wow. Twilight Imperium 4 is an epic 4X, but this is one of my favorite, most accessible, most fun games I can pick up anytime. I'm never in the mood to not play it. You know, you know how highly I held this game in regard, so <laughs> yeah. this shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I did figure that it wouldn't edge out TI4, but that it <laughs> it could be transatlantic. I don't know how you beat the Blue Ribbon. I don't know how you beat the Blue Ribbon. Blue Ribbon. It's because you always had the Blue Ribbon. I always chased you for Blue Ribbon. I tell you, man, will you get that sweet, sweet Blue Ribbon? Oh, man, can we just uh, review Transatlantic again? Let's... <laughs> I, we, we should. We should just play it and tell listener again, you got to play it. You know what? We discussed it in, like, episode oh, minus wow. five. Oh, wow, when was that? Played. I don't even know when that was. But when Emma got here... A couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Emma got here, we went through my collection in the shelves, and we pulled out every game that we wanted to play here. We made it through all of them except for Transatlantic. Uh, so close. So close. No! No! I shake my... The sickness really put a hamper on a lot of things. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So it just kind of... Oh, got it. <laughs> we just didn't have the time, but there's always time for Transatlantic. We will make the time. Yeah, in, in all seriousness to their listener, I know we discussed it years ago. Transatlantic is a fantastic board game. If you're looking for kind of like a medium difficulty, super fun board game, Transatlantic is great. I mean, even from a historical perspective, the ships it uses are real in fairly real chronological order that you can hire. And as someone who's both like loves history, but also loves ship history, um, like it's a no brainer. It's a fantastic. Game. Yeah, love it. Recommend it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, and play Splendor too, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Of course the Splendor topic would go to Transatlantic. Where else could it go? But the Blue Ribbon. Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to give a, a, a rating out of 10. Please feel free to do so, but I ranked it. I'm happy with where it is. I mean, I would I would legitimately, and even though it doesn't beat out Twilight Imperium 4, I was going to give it a 9.5 out of 10, which makes you go, whoa, whoa. But even for that 9.5, I don't know where the 0.5 goes away. I just literally give it not a 10 because what is perfect. Right. And it probably would get a 10 for me. I Because of the fact that you start completely equal and... I mean, I don't know. Maybe the only criticism I would have is it doesn't give a way for you to leapfrog back up if one of your opponent's engines goes off the rails early and gets really good. But because you start completely equal, the only person you have to blame is yourself. So, yeah. I mean, I there, I, I don't have a criticism of the game. There's nothing I can criticize about it, really, which is why I give it such a high mark. The only reason I'm giving Twilight Imperium for keeping it at the top it's a much more complex game but it's a very fun game it feels like you're playing a you know a game of civilization or a sid meyer beyond earth game it seems much more complicated and therefore it's a lot more fun Splendor's a lot of fun but i will not lie in saying that twilight imperium 4 is more fun it is more fun for me to play and that's why i would edge it out i probably i don't know if i'd gave because we never really gave board games a, a mark out of 10 I would have given TI for a 10 out of 10, you know, even though whoever gets to Rex first tends to win or have to, you know, defend, but still may win or whatever. It's just so damn fun that I couldn't give it any other rating. Yeah, I know. It's always like difficult to even have it share a list. I don't know. It's in like, I don't want to say it's in its own like echelon because I'm not necessarily trying to purport that it is superior and deserves it's you know a pedestal above the rest but it's just it's just the scope of it is just so it's the same as uh access and allies global right like the scope right. of that game is so ridiculous and it, it's so fun to play and try to wrap your head around it's it's really just hard to to compare it to just you know quote unquote normal <laughs> length games that aren't as epic or don't have the scope kind of thing so yeah yeah no I, I i completely agree so that you're right that makes it very difficult to uh to compare but i mean i think that probably wraps up the segment unless you got any final 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 notes done i think i'm pretty good yep, let's go let's do it all right well it's time for video game variety show this segment called better get getting well the getting's good actually has nothing to do with the game that we play uh that saying better get getting while the getting's good is from the wild west segment of time splitters 2 <laughs> very good i think i guess what would we call it sixth generation video game um from the early 2000s uh time splitters 2 but where it refers to here is we're going to talk about the hunt or the hunt showdown which is a um uh my first battle royal that i've actually played uh, Leland and Ghost Marty wrote me into it. Very interesting game. It uh, it's it takes place kind of in a, a fantastical Wild West. Um, you can do teams. I don't know if it's up to three or more than three. We certainly have done as three. You, myself, and Ghost Marty. 
Um, you have character, you, you put weapons on them, and uh, you go into a map. And the game kind of has different phases, which keeps it fresh. So there's a lot of like undead creatures around. There's zombies, fire zombies, bug ladies, things like that that you have to avoid. And the big, the big mechanic of the game is sound. Almost everything makes sound to a degree or other, whether it's a rifle shot, stirring up crows, you know, a wounded horse neighing that, you know, I'm sorry if you're squeamish about animals, kind of got to take out the horse or the dogs or whatever. Like I literally mean take out the horse with like a pistol or something to make it stop neighing around you. And, and maybe that's going to disturb some people, but the, the point is, is that uh, everything makes noise. Like if you go into a building, there's often going to be like bottles hanging from the ceiling or glass on the floor. You step on that, that makes noise. And because there's a number of player controlled teams that deploy, you could attract one of them to your location. So how the game typically starts is you have this ability, this sensing ability that lets you find clues. Now you want to find two or three clues, which will nail down where one of the bosses are. So there's usually two bosses on a level and so once you find the boss you go fight the boss kill the boss you get some bounty and you go to an extraction point you basically win you get a lot of experience and whatnot but it's more complicated than that because you could for example stake out a boss location try to kill the other players that go to kill that boss you could allow those players to kill the boss and then you try to hunt them as they're escaping with the bounty and a little bit weaker then you steal the bounty and you go so there's a lot of decisions that you make, and it feels like the game moves in stages. Get the clues, then either fight a boss or stake the boss out or stake the people out that are fighting the boss. And then there's kind of like the escape stage. And anywhere in there could you come across some players and you actually have to, to fight them, to kill them. And I'll say this for the player base, they're very good at what they do. Um, as you saw... Uh, I think it was yesterday, if not the day before Leland, when I joined you and Ghost Marty and proceeded to take headshots and one-hit kills every single round. The other players we're playing against are pretty good <laughs> in this game. It's very, very challenging. So I'd like to hear your opening thoughts on the hunt. I really, really like this game. It's one of those games, though, that really pisses me off uh, when I do poorly or when I uh, I freeze up. Uh, I, I that happens a lot. It actually happened a few times, a few times today. Uh, it's it's you're you're totally right about the the phases, right? And and sometimes those phases can be really short because you may just immediately run into another team, and you, so you do play teams of one to three. Three is the the highest number. The game is balanced for teams of two, so when you play uh, as a solo. It doesn't balance the gameplay, but it gives you a more like a, a boost to your XP reward if you can extract successfully and get out. This, it's funny that you know, I guess technically it's a battle royale, but like it's it's so not like other battle royales. Like because I think each map only has a, a max of twelve players. Like the maps are not very large, and the I don't know the the interesting thing, of course, like you said, is the sound and. Who is putting all the hanging these chains and bottles and smashing bottles on the ground? Who's doing this? Like, what happened to this world? Yeah. I know there's zombies and shit around, but who's just fucking throwing garbage everywhere? I don't know. You know, politeness isn't what it used to be. Waste management, people are just throwing that out of the window. <laughs> 
I like I, the the mix uh, of the AI enemies and, the, and like the PVE versus and the PVP. It's a really effective mix. I think you can you can utilize the environment and the enemies while you're fighting player characters as well, right? But if you can aggro specific uh, uh, creatures and the the but the main thing about this game, uh, yes, obviously the sound, but you utilize the sound to get the best positioning. You do not have to be a marksman to do well in this game if you can get your positioning down. I had a, I had a solo game today where I found the three clues. I went to find the spider. That's one of the four bosses that you fight, this giant spider with like a human face. It's really gross. And I found the boss location. I camped the, the location for a little bit. It was maybe a couple minutes before a team showed up. I'm in a barn. I'm in the top level. I got my scoped windfield. This little guy just comes crouching around the opening. I pop him in the head. Boom, he's done. His buddy comes up the barn. I'm at the top of the stairs. Shotgun. He's, boom, he's done. I then proceed to go in and kill the spider, get the bounty, and get the fuck out of there. So it was like the most successful game I've ever had. But it was because I had the positioning. I wasn't walking in on them. If I was, I would have been just as fucked as they were, right? Like, right. you... The bad part about that is they could not, they could like, they couldn't have done anything. Like they weren't approaching, uh, recklessly like the guy. I mean, maybe the, the one player that I, the first player I shot, like you, you shouldn't be crouching everywhere. Like there's also figuring out when to move quickly, which is going to generate the most noise when you're sprinting and when to slow down and, and be stealthy. Right. So that's also part of it. But that also always factors into the positioning. I think overall, positioning is king in the, in this in this game. Yeah, and I mean that's where I've been killed mostly when I played. I mean, I'm very new, but it's people that are in excellent positions. You know, they're tied up against a door jam, maybe they've got like a corner of a window to stick their gun out of. So they're very well covered and they're in places where they know they can really well cover a certain approach zone. And you know, I probably have deserved it, but like you say there's really you know, in these really good spots to camp out, there's not much you can do to get the drop on someone like you have to approach and you often have to approach these zones filled with some buildings big or small from a relatively open space and so you basically have to put yourself as vulnerable to even get close to there um in the other players you play i mean they're just really good they'll just put a bullet into you accurately and i don't know if the accuracy is given a little bit of help because sometimes when I've gotten hits, when I've shot someone, I was like, whoa, was I really dead eye on them or is I just kind of close? So I wonder a little bit about the hit detection sometimes. But regardless, um, you know, I, I tend to be killed pretty quick moving in. It doesn't mean the game is not fun. It really is because of the phases, because you can eventually get revived. But um, it's it's not a forgiving game. This is not a goo-goo baby mode game. I'll say that. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I mean, like if you, once you've passed a certain rank, which is basically your level from the gaining experience, you will, I think it's rank 11. Once you're past rank 11, yes. if you go in and you die with your character, you lose that character, all associated perks that you can put on it and any weapons that they're carrying. If you successfully get out, you level that character up from one to 50 and you use those points to give them different perks. Uh, that you unlock as your rank goes higher. So there's kind of this du this dual leveling system within the game itself. And I find, though, that 
that doesn't really matter to me because I'm never, I never have a character survive long enough because I'm not that great at it either, right? Like, there's so once you get once you get a character to level twenty five or higher, you can retire them, and you will gain a, uh, I think it's a hundred experience per hunter level towards your rank, and again the rank. Uh, is tied to different weapon unlocks, so obviously a higher rank is better. I'm currently at rank 100, and I could prestige, which means I'll go back to 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 one and lose basically all my unlocks and start start over. If if I guess if you're into that, I'm not going to do it right now because I have a couple hunters that are a few levels in, like they're leveled actually. So I don't know if I'm interested in the prestige aspect of the game. I don't I don't really get what other benefits. There are. I like having all the shit unlocked that I've unlocked. I'm still, I'm still lots of things for me to unlock. Uh, which, which another thing I wanted to talk about is the unlock system. I like that. Uh, you know, there's, there's obviously a bunch of different weapons, and it's, it's like late 1800s era. So the the gunplay is slow and methodic, and uh, you can't, you can't like spaz out the, you, you know, you can't like bullet like spray and pray. Uh, like, like well, you could have, if you had yeah. an automatic assault rifle, right? Which is where I freeze up because I'm trying to do that, <laughs> and I, I, I like freeze in firefights most of the time, and 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 I get obliterated. Yeah, it's uh, it's surprisingly realistic. I think I notice it most with the pistols. So I've always used a silenced pistol as my sidearm because it's good for taking out um, horses or enemies on the quiet. Um, but the pistol is a revolver, and when you reload it, I mean it's taking a long time to reload a, a full reload probably takes you like eight seconds i mean you spin the chamber crack it open put in bullet bullet <laughs> right. bullet bullet and it's it's realistic that way it's not like a nintendo 64 game where you know the cougar magnum and james bond when he reloads it you just click a button it's like down up and like all the bullets are there you know the revolver actually has to be reloaded same with the the rifles and you know there are repeating rifles which is nice there's rifles where you can put you know eight ten ten bullets in it at a time and fire and then you know put the latch down back up and you can fire another round but to reload those takes forever too you know sliding bullets yep. in the chamber i find that very realistic some of the more powerful rifles only carry one shot at a time so you're firing once and if you miss you're reloading now if you hit it hits like a sledgehammer but if it doesn't you know you're you're better back up and get in the cover because it's going to take you a few seconds to put another bullet in. And I do really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I like it too. I like it. It's still just, it's still really intense when you get into a gunfight and you're trading shots and you're right. peeking out from behind cover and don't peek the cover more than once, really, because they'll blow your fucking head off. Like, uh, I like, yeah. I really like the, the gunplay and, and, and the gameplay. There's also melee weapons you can get. I've had a couple melee kills today. Um, just running around solo and just being an idiot. I, I like that. I really like, I like the different types of ammo. There's a few conditions you can inflict, like you can get poisoned, which means you can't heal. Uh, you can inflict bleed on somebody, which means they have to stop the bleeding. Otherwise their health will tick down. Uh, if you can get lit on fire, will burn away segments of your health because it's broken into bars. And if a whole bar gets burnt, then you no longer have that bar for the match. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's cool. There's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to it. Like, there's a lot of shit that you got to do. Like, even just dealing with the different types of enemies, you know, from the basic grunts, which are sort of the regular zombies, which come in all varieties. Some of them wield butcher, butcher cleavers. Some of them have torches. 
some of them have like mining helmets that explode in fire. There are the immolators where if you pierce them with a knife or a bullet, they explode and then come chasing you on fire. Like there's a bunch of different dudes, right? And you have to know how to get navigate all of them while finding the clues, while dealing with the players. So there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that goes into it, and I think there's a part in it that everyone can like. Now, because of the 12 player size, I've I've had quite a few matches where I've heard a lot of gunshots, but I've ne- I never ran into somebody. I had a solo match where I just found the clues, killed the spider again because I was target I was doing the spider for one of the weekly challenges a bunch. And just got out. I didn't see anybody. I had a nice time killing a spider. I, you know, killed some zombies. Sometimes you have a game like that. Sometimes the server will just completely die off. And you'll be like, shit, are we the only ones here? Where is everybody? Of course, there's no way to know that while you're in the game. So there's still that bit of a... It's almost like a press your luck. Uh, Especially if you're not that skilled like I am. It is definitely pressing your luck staying in a server where you could just maybe just get out with, you know, the bit of experience that you got, keep your character and all their shit, and just get out. Just extract. Don't worry about bounties. Just get the fuck out. (laughs) Well, I mean, on that level, I I think there's a little bit of a strategy to that, especially if you're a newer player. I mean, I think there's no shame if you go in, kill six, seven zombies, so, you know, NPCs, and you realize you're not going to take out the boss and you just extract well okay i mean you're not gonna make a ton of xp but you're gonna keep your character alive and make a decent amount of xp it's gonna make a difference i've seen that my own games how much that you know killing a bunch of non-player characters results in in uh experience so you know i think you can do that i think you can learn the game slowly um i love the amount of items and weapons that there are there's so many different guns that you can get and items and you have a lot of space so you can kind of mix and match what items you want anything from like flame to poison molotov cocktails quick injections to bring your health back up first aid to bring your health back up fully but slowly i mean there's a lot of choice that you have you know flashlights and knives and brass knuckles and everything like that there's there's a lot to have and a lot of characters too that are really interesting yeah i mean i do i do find it an interesting game i think it's a game that's challenging i think that's why it's uh, leland and ghost marty style but i think with that challenge comes rewards because it can be a lot of fun yeah yeah i agree it's definitely not um it, it's not for those that don't like to be punished <laughs> it's, it's quite right. punishing right <laughs> but honestly at the same time though it's not that punishing because yes, you are subjected to the gameplay loops if you die. Like that's part of you know the 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 reward, the risk and reward system of it. But after every match, you get uh, basically a free hunter hire in a in a in a you know a pick from four, from free to ones that cost a certain amount of in-game currency. They'll you know that they'll either come with better equipment or or they will come with perks at tier one, tier two, and tier three hunters. So you can always grab a free one, and even if you completely run out of the hunt bucks, which uh, is easier than it sounds, even though you start out with a lot, because you, you know you, you buying the equipment adds up. You can always you can always play it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I like that. I like that it still gives you it throws you a bone. It still throws you that bone, because some of the some of the free hunters come with some great weapons. Like, I'll just hire a hunter, strip them of their weapons, and use them on another dude, right? Because it's all your inventory. 
So, I don't know. There's There are other modes, too, which I haven't really uh, looked into. There's a quick play, which is strictly solo. You're basically, it's almost like the deathmatch version of it. You, you get in, you want to get to, they call it wellsprings or whatever, but it's it's the same mechanic of finding the clues. Get, get four of these things and you become like the king of the hill or something and survive. So the longer you survive, the more money you'll make and, and the XP you'll generate. I played it a couple times. Uh, maybe I'll give it some more more time, but I really like the the bounty, the the base, the the game of it, right? Going out to kill the, kill the monsters. I want to get better at it. I want to get better at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, you know that's something that I should explore myself. Is kind of maybe some other modes. Maybe there's some kind of more training or easier to get into modes. But um, I mean, the game is fun, even though I get tagged most of the time right away. It's it's fun. There was a time where. Um, last week, Ghost Marty and I were, were fighting a guy and he was kind of, he wouldn't retreat. He was kind of really just sticking around to fight both of us two on one. And we pegged him. It was a lot of fun. It was a really protracted, long gunfight. But when we pegged him and we thought he was dead and finally ran up and saw his body laying there, I mean, we were, we were pretty stoked. <laughs> That's dope. We that guy well, the, the three of us had a great game, uh, yesterday when we were at the extract, we were camping at the extract and we ambushed that team of three. That was oh, an yeah. awesome fight. Oh, that was a goodness. great fight. That was a great right. fight. Right. It ended where we were either on either side of the extraction boat, lobbing grenades at each other, trying to kill the other team. It was oh, so yeah. I, I was shooting pistols, and everybody was getting hits, too. I think it was, it was Marty that actually cleaned the clocks. I think he finished off all three, but you and I definitely did damage to them in several shots, and it was a lot of fun because... I remember, you know, we were like, okay, where are they? Where are they? Okay, they're running west. They're running west. So they're running down this little hill. Rifles come out. Fire the shot. I had like a one-shot rifle. So I'm like, F this. Take out my pistol. Bing, bing, mm-hmm. bing. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was very intense. Do you... Okay, I want to talk about the audio aspect. So I when I... I think it was just last episode I was talking about it in the banter. And so now here we are. That was a quick turnaround. But it utilizes like binaural binaural audio, right? To mimic the human ears because you have two ears. For the life of me, I cannot pinpoint the direction of noises in this game. I don't know if it's a setting on my headphones. I've looked to tr- see if there's something I need to switch. I don't know what it is or if I'm... I think I'm just shit at it. Do you have trouble with it too? Or have you... Have you found that you can actually, like, it is directional for you? Because I swear, I, I, I just can't do it. I do not, I do not have that problem. Meaning that when I hear a gunshot, I can immediately localize in a very natural way where it came Damn. from. Now, we may not go that way, but I can honestly, the, the sound is perfect for me to know, okay, it's a little bit to my left. And I could honestly really localize on it. So what you're getting is either your own perception or your headset's effed up. Hmm, interesting. Okay. I, I, I maybe I'll have to look at my settings again, but I think I'm just not great at it. Uh, I can obviously tell when something is louder or closer, but even down when, like, if I'm hunkered in a building, I had a game today where I was hunkered in a building. There were people running footsteps all around me, and I could tell they were outside of the building, but... I didn't know, I couldn't pinpoint where or what wall they were even coming from. So it was so hard for me to even like bust out of a door with my machete when I could hear a footstep on the other side of the wall. Cause I don't even know if it's on the other side of that wall. So I don't know. I hope it's a setting and I can find it and 
and fix it and then maybe I'll like it'll help my game. I don't know. But there's an there's something you can do in in the game. I think it's just in the store when you're looking at weapons, you can inspect them and you go you can go in and you can pull out uh to a, like from from 0 meters to a full kilometer which is the size of the map and you can shoot the gun and you can hear what it sounds like wow. at different distances. So the players that are really great can recognize guns just by their shots, right? When they hear them, they say, oh, absolutely, that's a Vertelli or whatever the hell that rifle is. Or, oh, that guy's got a, a Mosin or a, sh- a shotgun or whatever, right? right crazy. Right. It's, that seems nuts to me, but. That is crazy, but that is the experience that I'm having, which you're not. And I hope you can have it soon. It is that experience that, uh, yeah, you can, when you hear a shot, I mean, I can't tell apart the guns, but I can tell you what direction they're coming from and how relatively close they are, whether it's really close or not, it's still pretty far. So yeah, my headset is working properly that way. Dang. I'm going to have to maybe fiddle with some things and see if I'm using something wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I can have it hooked up wrong, but I don't know. I think despite despite those challenges that I have with it, I'm still, I still like it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I love it. I've played so many hours of this in just like a month. I think it's been uh, not that long since I started playing it. And pff, man, I'm I'm probably gonna play once we're done recording. <laughs> so if you want to hop into the Bayou, uh, I'm I'll be there. <laughs> Born on the Bayou, yeah. So uh, we know you're gonna recommend it. I'm gonna recommend it. Are we ready to score this thing, or do we want to wait until a later time? Um. Well, I mean, was there any negatives? That you have, like, glaring negatives about it that you have? I I can't speak fully because I skipped the tutorial to play with Ghost Marty. Um, certainly the the uh, curve to learn it is very difficult having skipped the tutorial. Now, if the tutorial was not helpful, I would say that that would be a strike against the game. Um, but as is, I simply don't know. Because I basically, my tutorial was Ghost Marty telling me what to do. And... You know, it was good, but it was still a very difficult game and, and remains so to this day. Had the tutorial not taught me a lot, I would say that the difficulty curve is too high. You know, and I think some enemies are unfair, like the fire enemies. I think those are very difficult um, for you to, to take out or bypass. And I mean, I feel like in a bunch of the buildings and stuff, you have no choice but to do noise. Like... There is no good way into a room where you're not stepping on glass or bumping into bottles. And I kind of roll my eyes at that. I'm like, really? Every single entranceway, every single doorway is booby-trapped with noise? Like, okay, but it doesn't give you a chance to show your skill by avoiding this stuff. Well, if, if you do crouch through those things, you don't make the noise. So you can you can crouch walk over glass and crouch walk through the bot, hanging bottles and chains and the sound traps. There's lots... Oh, there's a ton of sound traps. Like that's all this game is, is sound traps, right? Uh, so there are ways. I mean, if you keep your distance, there's flocks of crows around where if you get too close, they'll fly off and take off. And they, if you see crows take off, you can pinpoint the direction in which whoever triggered it is heading because they'll fly in that same direction. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I run into a lot of them just because I don't see them until I'm on the other side of a bush. <laughs> and then the crows go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like chicken coops and and dog kennels that'll bark and cluck if you get too close. I don't know. There's 
there's a there's it, it's cool again there's so many layers but the other thing is like the the ai also trigger most of those traps like they'll walk over the glass and it'll crack and, and break and all that stuff right so i don't know it, it just tries to fuck with you there is one annoyance i have though is that part of the ambiance sound will often have a horse neigh and a dog bark but they're not sound traps that are triggering. It's just part again. It's part of the background noise. I think that's stupid. That's really dumb. I've now come to recognize those audio, those tracks, those you know, those sound clips. So when I hear those specific, the specific bark and the specific horse, I know it's part of the ambiance and it's not a sound trap. But I I don't like that. I don't understand why that's necessary. That might be a really, that's really small, I understand, but it just really annoys me. I, it's stupid. I hate it. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, it, it is annoying. I haven't really noticed that, but I'm sure that, um, yeah, that if I keep playing, I, I will notice it. And, and that would be annoying. It's like, why incorporate, incorporate ambience, which is specifically used to identify where characters are? It just throws you a loop needlessly. Yeah, they're just fucking with you on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Rating? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to rate this one. I'm going to rate this one. Maybe this is a little low. I, I'm i going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I think there's work that can be done on it to make it better. I think we've exposed some of that. Yet, I think the core game is good. I think it's worth the money, especially if it's on sale, which is when Ghost Marty recommended that I bought it. Um, I think he pointed it out to me when it was on sale. Um, there's definitely a lot of redeeming qualities for it, but no, I mean, it's it's not the best game I've ever played, and I don't know if it'll have sticking power, but I've enjoyed the little bit that I have played. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards, like, I'm leaning towards a 9. <laughs> it's, like, between an 8 and a 9, because this is, like, the my type of, this is the type of game I can get obsessed over, and be rewarded constantly. And like when you're rewarded in this game, it feels so fucking good when you have a good match. It feels really good. But it also feels like fucking shit when you have a bad one. If you again because because uh, there is chance to the meetings. I mean, yes, that that's there's always that element when you're playing player versus player. But I, I I'm struggling with trying to you know, explain just how rewarding that it really can be like there's just it just really i don't know it feels good it feels when it feels good it feels great <laughs> when it feels bad it's fucking terrible so maybe i'll settle on an eight but i really think that crytech uh which which even i mean this type of game from crytech is feels weird and i really think they had a vision for it that they executed and they executed well like i i i really think that they they made what they wanted to make and they didn't care about right. the normal standards of a, you know, a quote unquote battle royale and all this shit. They, they developed the world and the lore that they wanted to implement and they're letting people run around in it. And they're, they're unapologetic about it. So I think that's great. You got to make what you want to make and hopefully it'll take off. I mean, I think, I mean, I guess it feels like this game has gotten a bit of more notoriety in, in the recent few months but that's probably just because i'm playing it and i'm actually aware of it but this game's been out for like five years like or four or five years like 
this is an old game at this point. So I like it's good that people are still playing it. I'm happy that people still play. I think it's probably pretty easy to maintain a, a player base when your servers only have 12 people on it. So you're not sitting around waiting for 100 people to load into it like a standard battle royale or something like that. Uh, that's one thing. Like so, I just think I think they made a smart game for the scope that they had in mind. I, I think everything just fits. And I know one complaint that um, actually uh, uh, Elena of the Incursible Party podcast. Uh, has mentioned before she she doesn't like the small squad size mainly because you know when we want to play multiplayer there's at least four of us probably sometimes five but i agree that the small multiplayer count is rough and not always conducive to every play group or group of friends that may want to game together but again for the scope of the game that they set out it fits perfectly like three is almost a stretch Three is almost a stretch. Because like I said, this game is balanced for teams of two. I don't know. I, I'll settle on an eight. Eight out of ten. I really like this game. It's great. Yes, pick it up. It's always on sale, it seems. Constantly on sale. Hit me up if you want to play. <laughs> Let's go. Let's play Hunt. Let's go. That's it. Only pay Patreon. It's 100 bucks a month. You can play with me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a reward. Well done. Um, end the show? That's right. And to show stuff, let's wrap her up. Our website, ttpopcast.com, where you will find... Please check out that horror movie AI video. It's fucking hilarious. Please look at it. As long as well as the final uh, tra Dune trailer. Our show notes, yes, they are written. There's some written content on there. Our back catalog of episodes are still up there. You can look at ttpopcast on Instagram, the ttpopcast page on Facebook, which Moby maintains. I've been Leland Steele. Yeah, I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.